Mark's Gospel, chapter number 16. Mark's Gospel, chapter number 16. Find that place in your Bible, if you will. It is Resurrection Sunday. We are remembering and celebrating that. And of course, if you follow different uh, other branches under the umbrella of Christianity, you have a Russian Orthodox, you have Greek Orthodox, and they'll celebrate the Resurrection sometime later on. And... Uh, which is the actual day. And uh, which, well, uh, can I remind you of something as well? Every year we celebrate Resurrection Sunday and celebrate the resurrection of Christ on a Sunday. Well, Jesus Christ rose on a specific day, just like your birthday. Your birthday does not fall on the same day every year. It moves throughout the week. We do not know the actual date that Christ rose from the dead. We know it was a Sunday, but we don't know the date of that um, month of Nisan. And uh, it could have been, uh, you know, you know, the 14th and things of that nature. But again, how that coincides with our calendar, it gets a lot of, it gets some confusion in there. But we believe, again, it's this time of year. And, uh, and again, following that calendar and the whole complexity of all can get, uh, mind-boggling and a lot of things go on in there and, and different groups have their calendar like I said the, there's the ours there's the Greek Orthodox the Russian Orthodox and with Passover being celebrated starting on Wednesday and then uh, the feast first feast of first fruits would happen on Sunday this all works out perfectly with celebrating the resurrection of Christ today especially with Passover just being this past week so this is this is about as dead center as you're going to get in a 2,000-year time period. <coughs> Excuse me. We're in Mark's Gospel. Now, we're going to look at the, some things concerning the resurrection of Christ. We've been doing some things on Sunday evening for the past few weeks concerning the resurrection of Christ. We're looking at the, the cries from Calvary's cross. We have, uh, uh, Ethan has preached, and, and tonight here we are on Resurrection Sunday. We've been also studying the book of Nehemiah, and we'll get back to those things, but we want to center our attention around this thought which preoccupies our mind. On Sunday mornings, we have been looking at the seven conversations that Jesus Christ has had with women in John's Gospel. We saw the seventh and final conversation today that he had with Mary Magdalene at the tomb after his resurrection. And the Bible mentions these women quite a bit, not only Mary Magdalene, but Mary's mother and several other women who came to the tomb to anoint the body of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, after the Passover season. And uh, now it was safe to go there, and they thought it was safe to go there and to anoint his body for a proper burial since he did not have a proper burial on uh, the day of his crucifixion. So here we take a look at, the, at, at, at these women and, and, and the, the, the work of the women and the work that these women are going to do. Now again, we, we thank God for both men and women. Each one of us plays a part. And there's only two of us, by the way. There's men and there's women. There's no Z and Q or, you know, uh, this, you know, or floating. One day you're this and next day you come back. There's none, there's none of that. That's, that's called mental illness. And, uh, and so that doesn't exist. That exists on college campuses and in American uh, corporations. But it does not exist in the real world. Uh, each of us plays a vital part. And God has given us things that we are to do that the other one cannot do. He has given us roles. 
that each one of us has to do that the other one cannot do. But he's also given us things that both men and women can do. And it's important that we do not blur those lines. What is, what is the job of a man? What is the job of a woman? And what is the job of both man and woman that we can do? Today we have women preachers. And my friend, that's not biblical. There's no place in Scripture for women pastors. That's not found. And, and you'll never hear a woman pastor preach on why she shouldn't be preaching according to the Bible. They'll come up with all kinds of words on, and, and, and excuses on why they can preach now. Well, 2,000 years ago they couldn't, but today's different. Well, God doesn't change, and women cannot be pastors and lead and conduct church services over men. And in turn, there's things women can do that a man cannot do. There's things here in our church that we restrict men from doing because uh, for various reasons, which we might go into tonight, but we more let the women take care of those things because of it just looks better. And it works out better. You want to know more about that? See me after the service. Now, we look at these women and the work they're doing. Christ is, is risen from the dead. And, and the Bible tells us here in Mark chapter number 16 and verse number 8, And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now, when Jesus was risen early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene of the women whom he cast out seven devils. And she went and told them uh, that had been with him, and they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had seen of her, believed not. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. Father, bless the time, bless the hour now. I pray, Lord, you'll help us this evening as we see these women, these godly women, the work that they did, and Lord, the, the, the awesome privilege that was given to these dear ladies to be at the tomb and to see Christ and to go and tell a message. Bless this time, bless this hour now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now again, to examine the report of their work, I want just to note several things here about these women. I want us to know, first of all, as we're talking about the work of the women, the work of the women, I want you to notice the manner of their work. The Bible says that they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear, great joy, and did run to his disciples. I want us to notice first of that phrase there, how they went out quickly and it says they trembled and were amazed. There's two things that are most prominent in the way these women began their fulfillment of their commission. Remember, we all have a commission from the Savior. But I want you to notice how they began their commission about going out and telling people that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. We notice, first of all, they were filled with energy and emotion. I want you to notice their energy and their emotion. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 28, in verse number 8, it says that they, they, we noticed they went out quickly. They began to run. The response of the women to the angels' commission, again, was energetic in the fact that they were quickly and running. It emphasizes this fact. Not only are they, have they responsive to the call, but to service, but again, it's that they did it quickly. Too often in life we are told to do something, and we drag our feet when we're doing it. When I was a boy, there was a cartoon called Ricochet Rabbit. And he would run real fast and bounce off of cactuses and, and bing, 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 and off he went. And, and, and he was real fast in his job as a sheriff there in this western town. But he had a, his deputy. 
His deputy was called Deputy Droopalong. And he was always moping along real slow. I'm a-coming, Mr. Ricochet. And so Ricochet Rabbit was as fast as get out. Then there's Deputy Droopalong. And in Christianity, my friend, we got too many Deputy Droopalongs and not enough Ricochet Rabbits going with energy and quickly doing that, which we're to talk about. So this is an amazing week. I talked about Underdog on Wednesday night. Now you're getting Ricochet Rabbit. We're resurrecting the old cartoons around here that nobody has ever heard of and that you'll probably never ever see unless you Google these things. My friend, sometimes when it comes to the work of Almighty God, the best response is to do what we're told quickly. Do it quickly and going to tell. Noah was a man who went and built the ark and he did it with great energy. And he was a preacher of righteousness for a hundred years or so. He preached and worked and did what he had to do. These women that we see here were not women of idle tales and, and, and gossipers. And, and, and they were women who heard the message, were told to do something, and they ran with great energy to do that. Abraham in the Old, Old Testament illustrates for us this energy and service. Again, Abraham was a great man, a godly man, but he was a person who did not drag his feet in the work of Almighty God. Some of us treat God's work like we're union workers where we drag our feet waiting to kill the eight-hour day and, 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 or professional hiders in the union business. Or it doesn't even have to be a union job. We've all, if you work, you, you have all worked with a professional hider. That's somebody who clocks in and then for the next eight hours, the CIA, Secret Service, uh, NSA, nobody is able to find them until it's time to check out. They've just disappeared. We, they, we don't know where they went, but somehow they get a paycheck every week. You disappear for five minutes and you're getting fired. That person is gone forever. We all know them people, but then there are people on the job who work very energetically and, and do their job right. And my friend, there's nothing wrong with doing your job and doing it with great energy. Man, what a, the Bible says, whatever thy hand findeth to do, do with all thy might. We should not be slackers in our jobs, in our schools, or in our professions. We are, to, and especially in the, in the work of Almighty God. Abraham, he was told by God to do several things. He, Abraham, the Bible says that he, was, he uh, quickly did things. And when we talk about Abraham, the words quickly and ran, and all these things are found in connection with the man Abraham. In Genesis 18, we see a man, again, who's 100 years old, yet he's still working and doing that which he should do. Would that we had more uh, in Christendom who were like these women, who were like Abraham, who did what they had to do. Again, Christians not only ought to serve in this manner in church, but they also need to manifest this kind of service in our job places. We work for church. You have a job. Now listen, I, I don't, we don't have a paid staff around here. Evan filled in tonight. Evan will get no paycheck for what he did. There's nothing. You know, Evan, you can go down and, and, and get a bottle of water. That'll help you out. Amen. Thank you. There you go. He's, and anybody else, you want a bottle of water for your service, girls? I know that your fingers are probably worn out. And, and Jen, just go get a bottle of water. And there, and there you go. You know, a cup of water you received in Jesus' name and a cup of water you freely give. Well, my friend, we ought to want to serve God, and we ought to want to serve God quickly. What can I do? 
Sometimes people are very sluggish in their performance and, and many people in their professions are very sluggish. Christians ought to do nothing short of doing what's right for the work of God. And we see all these women and what they did. Look, if you will, at Matthew chapter number 28. Matthew's gospel chapter number 28 concerning these women and the work they're doing after the resurrection of Christ. In Matthew 28, not only did they do a work that, again, involved uh, energy, and we all need energy. By the way, some of you drink an energy drinks when you don't need an energy drink. If you've got youth, you don't need an energy drink. Just let me know. You, know, you just, I need a, I need a monster. I, I need a Red Bull. No, you're, 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 you're 15 years old. You've you got youth. That's, that's your monster, okay? That's, that's what you have. You don't need these things to get you through the day. We didn't have those things when I was there. <laughs> My son's under conviction right now. You can hit the altar at the service, amen? But, you know, I, I, I'm amazed at these kids walking down the street drinking a, a, an energy drink. It's like, when I was that age, it's like, dude, we, we got up in the morning, we ran all day long, and finally crashed at 11 o'clock at night and charged our batteries and got up and did it again the next day. And then when I was old enough, I... I was in my 20s. We'd sometimes go out, my friends and I, and I was a Christian. I wasn't doing anything bad. We'd go in the car. We'd just go cruising, and we'd open New York State somewhere, and finally I'd get home at 5 o'clock in the morning from just cruising all night and hanging out with my friends and, and uh, eat a breakfast and put my work clothes on and go to work. <laughs> I just didn't sleep. That, don't, that doesn't happen anymore. I just want you to know that does not happen. I'm sitting there at 8 o'clock at night. Is it 10 o'clock yet? Can I go to bed yet? Is it time to go to bed? But we notice here the emotion, the emotion involved. In Matthew 28, in verse number 8, it says, And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. Notice again, they fear and great joy. And, and Matthew and Mark speak uh, of two emotions that are almost in contrast with each other. Matthew speaks of fear and joy, and Mark speaks of trembling and amazement. And at one and the same time, these women experienced dread and delight, fear and, and, and felicity, affright and astonishment. The word translated amazed in Mark chapter 16, verse number 8, is the word from which we get our English word ecstasy. While these women were fearful that, uh, uh, because of the encounter with the angel, which would frighten anyone, especially the women, they were also thrilled and with this joy, this ecstasy, that they had uh, had this encounter with the angel. They were excited about it. And they were thrilled that God had done this. They had seen an angel. And again, most people, when, angel, when they see angels in the Bible, they're terrified. And these women are terrified. But they're also knowing that this is God's angel. This, this is the one that's on our side. This is the one that is there to help us. This is the one that we're doing the same thing. He works for Jesus Christ. We work for Jesus Christ. And God has allowed us to see one of these, these beings, one of these angels. We've seen this creature, and he's, and he's told us the good news, and he's told us what we're to do. And so they, they run with these emotions. Sometimes we run with emotions. Sometimes we run because we're excited. Sometimes we run because we're scared. When I was a boy, we learned a little, little proverb in grammar school which simply said, fear lends wings to feet. My friend, when you're scared, you'll run awfully fast. I remember as a boy running because I was terrified. And, and I can tell you a story, but we don't have time for it tonight. But listen, uh, when we get scared, we can run awfully fast. 
I don't run too well anymore between my knee and my hip and my back, and, and uh, it hurts to run. So I just walk swiftly, amen? <laughs> but if need be, if somebody, if this building was on fire and timber collapsed, I guarantee you Matt Swikowski would probably outrun all of you. I would make sure you all got out safely, but I would run and get out of this building. I guarantee you, I would be like, oh, my back. I would be running. Why? Fear had caused me to run. If there was great excitement and great joy, something that produces emotion in all of us, we would run with excitement over what we had seen. The emotions that these women have, again, though mixed with these contrasting emotions. Again, these are contrasting one to another. The excitement and then trembling. Two emotions that you seldom happen at the same time, but we notice happening with these people, with these dear ladies, and they do it with great joy and amazement. Again, while we do not think these women were crazy women, we don't think that they were filled with wild emotion, uh, but these were women who, again, were generally excited. We ought to be excited about the things of God. If we see an angel, if we were there and we knew that the Lord had risen from the dead, that, again, fear, an angel, amazement, trembling, excitement, and, and, and running quickly to, to tell what we had just seen. Our land today, we have little respect for God, and we see little respect for God in our, in our, in our nation's capital. We see little respect for God in our cities. There's little respect for God in our churches. I saw some sodomite preacher recently trying to compare the transgender shooter down in Nashville to Jesus Christ. The transgender person, the murderer, is, 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 is compared to Christ by this, by this transgender, godless, infidel preachers. That's wicked. That's perverted. No respect for God little fear for God. We who know the truth and love God ought to be filled with the enthusiasm and delight in the work that God has told us to do. I want you to see the message in their work. Look, if you will, at Luke chapter number 24. Luke chapter number 24. By the way, you know, the, the transgender community is playing victim. Oh, we keep getting beat up and abused. Nobody's beating up transgender people. They're the ones killing people. They're the ones attacking people. And, and, there, and there's case after case of transgender men, uh, the, the, the mentally ill, attacking real women. Especially real women who speak up and say there's no such thing as a man becoming a woman. And so some man comes along and starts punching some woman in the head they're the ones who are violent. You say, well, they're violent because they, they're, they're tired of being abused. No, listen, when you live a lie and, and, and you live something that's unnatural, of course bad things are going to happen. Their suicide rate is high, not because we do not embrace them. Their suicide is high because what they're doing is unnatural. And when you do something that's unnatural, you just may try to harm yourself because you can't, you're tired of living this, this lie you've manipulated. Head. And by the way, I really don't believe too much in mental illness. I really believe they're demon-possessed, if you want to know 
what I really think about it, and, and that will have the world laugh me to scorn and, and mock me, but they're really demon-possessed. When you use they and them pronouns and you tell me you've got more than one of you in you, they're not lying, by the way. My pronouns are they and them. Who, who are they? Who's in there? <laughs> Hello? Who's in there? If you ask me what's, don't ever ask me what my pronoun is. I just may smack you. I'm a man. I don't use pronoun. Um, my pronoun, no, listen. Pronouns. Somebody once said, name something we never said in the 80s. And I said, my pronouns are. That was, we never said that in the 80s. <laughs> in Luke 24 and verse number 9, the Bible tells us here something else about these dear ladies. It says, and they returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and the rest. Here he says, notice that phrase, told all these things. Again, we've, we've looked at these women here and the message they're proclaiming. We want to focus here on how they proclaimed it. And I want you to notice, first of all, that they were faithful in proclaiming. And notice that word there, all. A-L-L, told all, all. The message that the angel had given them to proclaim, their message was not popular as we see at another time. And by the way, their message is universally rejected even today, just as much as it was back then. But they still proclaimed it faithfully. Just because the message is not accepted does not mean we shouldn't proclaim it. There's a lot of things that are unpopular today, but we say them nonetheless. They proclaim them faithfully. Again, we must do the same thing. We must declare the message of the Word of God regardless of its popularity. The Bible says, preach the Word in season, out of season. Now, what's that mean, in season, out of season? My friend, there may be times when the Word of God is very popular, but I want you to know that the preaching of the Word of God most times is unpopular and it's out of season. We all know about, listen... We all know about certain fruits and vegetables are in season and out of season. We don't like the summertime because we get fresh Jersey tomatoes. There's nothing like a Jersey tomato. And, and, and Jersey is the blueberry capital of the world. Hard to believe that. And it's also one of the, the cranberry capital of the world. You want fresh blueberries and you want fresh cranberries and you want a Jersey tomato. You have to wait till they're in season. Now, you can get a tomato any time of year. But, my friend, you go down to the supermarket and that tomato in December is just not the same as it is in July. It, it's traveled afar and it's just a different taste and it's just like, eh. It's out of season. A lot of things out of season. And, 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 and the Word of God is to be preached whether it's in season or out of season. We don't like that type of preaching. Well, it's Bible preaching. We don't like hearing that. Well, they didn't like the truth in Jesus' day so much so that they crucified Him. Well, we preach the Word of God. These women proclaimed it faithfully. And again, we must, again, proclaim it. The Word of God is our message and we must preach it whether we, uh, the world esteems it and wants to hear it or not. Today, does, the world does not want to esteem it. When was the last time a president of the United States actually called a godly preacher to the White House? I think you probably have to go back to Ronald Reagan. The last time a godly preacher was invited 
Oh, there's been preachers down there. The Joel Osteens of the world have been down there, and, they've, and, and Donald Trump had some women preachers down there and some other some reprobate preachers. And, 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 and Joe Biden, I think he, well, he's had some, some you know, men dressed up like women down there, and, and uh, you know, the perverts all like to hang out together. And so they, uh, but they, there's not a godly preacher called upon to say, you know, let's pray and pray for our nation. And, and go before the, the Congress opens with a word of prayer every day. When was the last time you said, dear, some guy stood up there and said, you know what, dear Lord, this place is filled with a bunch of reprobates and godless perverts and, and, and God forgive us and just go on with a good prayer and, and rip the whole thing. The Apostle Paul was. I guarantee you, the Apostle Paul, was. if he was around today, there'd be a lot of churches getting a letter. <laughs> I guarantee you, if he was if he was here today and still writing, uh, there would be a lot of churches getting a letter saying, "What's your problem? Knock it off." These women said exactly what needed to be said. They didn't sugarcoat it. They proclaimed the gospel. Said that Christ was risen. They explained what they saw, and most people did not believe what they had to say. The Apostle Paul in the book of Acts says, I, 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 I shunned not, I, I have not shunned to declare unto you the, all the counsel of God. All the counsel of God. How much of Scripture are we going to preach? Well, we preach all of it. The parts we like and the parts we don't like. Again, these women who met the angel at the grave, did not, did not, they, did, they, were, they declared all of it. They declared all of it. Now, now, what did you see? Well, here's what we saw. We got there, and they, they went through the process and all the counsel of the Word of God. It says there in Matthew chapter number 28, if you go back there, Matthew 28, we see, the, the, what, again, what these ladies did. And the work, it says not only in verse 8, they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. I want you to notice that phrase, to bring his disciples' word. In Luke's gospel, it says, and unto the eleven and to all the rest. In Mark's gospel, it says that neither uh, said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Those whom the women reached with, with their message can be divided into three categories. They are none, named, and numerous. None, named, and numerous. In Mark's gospel it says, let me quote the verse, Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. They saw other people, by the way, but they were going to preach to the eleven. Their job was to go to those eleven so as they're going through, they came across other people on that early Sunday morning, but they said nothing. Why? Because they were afraid. And the church, by the way, ought to make a list in progress in proclaiming the message of Christ. The disciples were told by Christ to make like progress. They were to begin in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the other most parts of the earth. Now we notice that phrase in Mark where it says, neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. 
The initial work of the women was to no one. In their being timid, they said nothing about the message of Christ. In other words, they didn't tell everybody at first. They were going to the eleven. He said, well, they should have been, as they're running down the street, been shouting out to everybody, hey, Christ is risen. Well, they didn't do that. And they really didn't do anything bad because the message was, go to the, my disciples, tell my disciples. And then you go and tell the world. They didn't make stops along the way. Their commission was to go to a specific group of people. But many folks and many churches never go beyond. Many churches never tell anybody. Many Christians never tell anybody. They don't even go to the believers. Sometimes it's hard to even find out who Christians are because they never talk about the things of God. You have to, are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. Well, I never hear you even talk about Jesus. You talk about a lot of other things, but you never talk about the Lord. I'm a friend, if we love something, a man asked me this morning, and pray for him, he's a good man, he's got questions. He says, well, how do we show love for the Lord? He was honest, he, was, he had a sincere question. How do I demonstrate my love for the Lord? I said, well, Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. That's how we express our love for the Lord. We do what he tells us to do. And if I love Jesus, I, I'm going to talk about Jesus. You fall in love with somebody. This is my boyfriend. This is my girlfriend. Aren't they cute? Look at it. They're so wonderful. Everybody looks like, eh. Yeah, but, you know, it's, 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 it makes you happy. And, then, you know, that's what it is. Renee had a picture of me. She should show it to everybody. Look at me. And then I had her picture. People, you got a picture of your girlfriend? Are you looking to see it? Yeah, I got a picture of her. Can I see it? Here's my girlfriend. How'd you get her? You, what do you do? Bribe her? What do you, you know, and all the other comments that guys come up with <laughs> when you, you're there. But when you love some, my sister, when she was dating my, her future husband, this is, this is Jimmy. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm in sixth grade. What do you want me to do? Oh, he's so cute. What do you want me to do? I'm sixth grade. I'm like, okay, nice. Don't you think he's handsome? I don't know. <laughs> I'm 12 years old. I, I, don't, I don't know if he's handsome or not. It makes you happy, sis. God bless you. I don't know. But when you love something, you'll want to talk about it. You'll want to mention, this is my wife. Like the man in the Bible, you know, why didn't you come? Well, I married a wife and I could not come. What does that even mean? Well, why do you, what do you mean you married a wife and couldn't come? You, you want to say, hey, this is my wife. Look, this is my wife. God's given me a wife. I'm happy. I'm excited about this. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. Jesus Christ loves me, and, and I'm a Christian. My sins have been forgiven. This is my Lord. This is my God. This is my Savior. These women, again, they didn't tell anybody because their object was the 11. They didn't stop telling anybody. But the sad thing is some people just never tell anybody. They stick, they, they're, they're like, they don't, they're none. Then it goes to the eleven. Again, this was the original commission. They were to tell the disciples about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. These women did not remain in the none category. But they longed and went quickly to tell the disciples that Christ was risen. Can you imagine running 
And again, I don't know exactly where the disciples were, and, and we can go from where the garden tomb area is in Jerusalem now, and, and I've never been there, but I've had friends go there, and I've seen the maps, and I've seen pictures of it, and you can do virtual tours there on the internet. But again, to, to get there, it's, it's not a, you know, we're not running from here down to Siabras. You know, it, it's probably a, a good mile or two. It's like running up to the pike. And listen, Matt Swaikowski is not running up to the pike, I'll guarantee you. I'd be like, man, this is, that's a long one. But they ran to that distance to get the message to them. In case you're not sure what the pike is, I'm talking about the Belleville Turnpike there, the Carney North Arlington borderline. And I'd say from here, it's almost two, it's from the park to the pike is basically two miles almost. Town's one mile, about two miles with 44,000 people crammed in here, all clogging the roads. Now, they had to get up there. They had to run there. They had to, to, to get the message to them. And their goal was, those, again, they wanted to tell those people. And the whole entire way, they were excited that what are these men going to say when they hear this message? The fact that the disciples did not believe in the resurrection of Christ, again, it's, it's, it's very ironic. Because in order to be a Christian, what's, what, what's the one thing you have to do? Believe in the resurrection. Can't be a Christian and deny the resurrection. So we've got these men who are preachers and Christians. And when they hear that Christ rose from the dead, they looked at the women like these women are just telling idle tales. Yeah, these idle tales. Yeah, he resurrected. Yeah, okay, ooh, yeah. It's just a sorry lot for preachers. Again, the unbelief of the apostles, is, is, again, is, is, is one of the strongest indirect evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. If, if the disciples were at first so backward to believe our Lord's resurrection and were at last so thoroughly persuaded of its truth that they preached it everywhere, then Christ must have risen. So again, get that picture. We don't believe he rose from the dead. You women are crazy. Then they meet Christ, and what do they do the rest of their life? What do these men do? All they ever do everywhere they go is tell people, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Why they change from unbelief to belief that, that, that this message ends up causing them their lives. They'll all face martyrdom. They will all be killed for that message, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, and he's the Savior of the world. Would you lose your life for a lie? I don't think I would. I'd be like, I was just kidding. You know, they're about ready to throw me in boiling oil. No, I'm just kidding. He, I didn't see him. I just made it up. You got, you're going to say he didn't rise? No, he did rise from the dead. We're going to throw you in in a second. Well, I'm sorry. He rose from the dead. We throw him in. Chop his head off. Nail him to a cross. Kill him. Cut him. In, whatever the case may be. However, they died. There's all various ways in which they lost their lives, according to church legend. But they went from unbelief to belief to proclaiming it the rest of their life, which tells me, again, they really believed it. They were fully persuaded of this doctrine. So the first preachers were men who were convinced in spite of themselves, in spite of determined unwillingness to believe. If the apostles believed the resurrection, then it must be true. It must be true. So they go from none to the 11. And, and Luke's Gospel 24, 9 tells us 
and all the rest. These included other disciples, not just the special chosen 11, but others who were followers of Christ. In Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 15, it says that there in the upper room there were 120 people in that upper room. Acts 1.15, 120 disciples of Christ. Remember, a disciple of Christ is somebody who is following the Lord Jesus Christ and giving their life to this cause. So these women don't tell nobody, then to the eleven, then to the rest. My friend, that's how we grow sometimes. We grow from being timid, to a group of people, then we just tell everybody. These women reached out further than the disciples with the message of the resurrection of Christ. These women were the first human witnesses of this event. And what did they do with it? They went and told other people. Women can be soul winners. Women can spread the gospel. Women can talk of Jesus Christ. Women can tell people what God has done in their life. Women are not just to keep their mouths quiet and never say anything. Women can be soul winners for the cause of Almighty God. In Luke chapter 24, I want you to see this phrase here. Luke chapter number 24. If you're there, wait for me to show up, okay? I'll get there eventually. In Luke 24, it says in verse number 11, And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Idle tales. To examine the reception of these women experienced when proclaiming the resurrection, we note the character and the mocking, what took place. Idle tales, if they believed them not. Luke describes the mocking in two ways. First, it was of disrespect, and then it was disbelief. Disrespect, idle tales. These two words again, from the Greek, really mean nonsense. Nonsense. You, you women are speaking nonsense. Medical writers use it to describe wild talk, those in a delirium or a hysteria. I, I've been to the hospital. I've, I've visited people who were, who were out of their minds with sickness and illness, and their minds were not there. They were seeing things that weren't there. One guy's telling, Pastor, get the guy... Get that little boy off the ledge. Get him down. He shouldn't be up there. And I'm, and I'm like, okay, come on down. He goes, thank you, Pastor. The kid's been annoying me all day long. The man was sick. He was with fever and, and had an illness running through him. And he was delirious. Went to visit one dear lady. She was delirious. She's like, they're, she goes, they're, they're, having race they're racing horses up and down the tracks of, of the hallway here. There's a black horse, and then there's this red horse, and then there's a green horse. I'm... So what'd you do? I thought she's just out of her mind right now. She's in dementia. She's telling what? Idle tales. It's the same word. It's not a good thing that these disciples are doing right now. They're looking at these women and like they're delirious. Other minds, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. He rose from the dead. Thank you. Yeah, we believe that. Okay. So these disciples really have a very dismissive and, and, and bad attitude towards these witnesses that Jesus Christ has sent. It's not a good thing. It's disrespectful 
for the message of the resurrection. And by the way, every age shows this disrespect for God's message. We can go through the Bible and look at different people and how they were all disrespected as they gave the word of God. And don't be downcast. Don't be forlorn when somebody mocks you. Okay, yeah, you, you got saved. Yeah, you believe in Jesus. You're going to go to heaven. This person with their idle tales, they're delirious. They're, they're, they, they, they got some form of dementia. What did Karl Marx say? That religion is what? The opium for the masses. You believe in that little God resurrection? That you, you got your little drug there. You're on drugs. People are whacked out. Well, Karl Marx died, and, and uh, he's about, uh, you know, a crispy critter right about now, and he's changed his mind a long time ago on that idea. Second, we see the disbelief. They believe them not. Again, this is not surprising. Again, if you disrespect something, you will not believe it. And Satan's program is, by the way, to get people to, dis to disrespect the Word of God. Why? So you won't believe it. Disrespect the Bible. I saw a video of one of these, you know, the, the college campus people, you know, the, the, the coexist crowd, you know, the, the uh, you know, we all want to get along crowd, taking a man's Bible, tearing it out of his hands and, and, and tearing it up. You know, the crowd that wants to get along and we all need to have a kumbaya festival as long as you, we all agree. <laughs> we, all, we, we, need, we need to welcome diversity, but not that diverse. We love di diversity is our strength. I don't even know what that means. That's, that's, it's, it's the most idiotic statement anybody can ever utter. Diversity is our strength. No, unity is our strength. <laughs> Unity is our strength, not diversity. We're all on the same page. E pluribus unum, out of many, one. She took the man's Bible, tore it up. Saw another video recently, and again, another one of these diversity people tearing the Bible, and actually tearing the page and was eating the pages of the Bible. How, de how demonic do you have to be? You're eating pages of a Bible that you just ripped out of a man's hand. And by the way, they slapped the guy and threw the book at him, and, 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 and the cops are just standing there. By the way, imagine if that, the preacher had slapped them people. He'd be in handcuffs and hold off so fast, make your head spin. But the, this crowd beats people up, and the cops just stand there. And, uh, you know, well, you know, he, he, he brought it on himself. Satan wants us to disrespect the Word of God because if we disrespect the Word of God, then we'll not believe it. That Bible's old. The Bible's fairy tales. The Bible's, and this is the new one, by the way, the Bible is a hate book. The Bible hates homosexuals. The Bible hates women. The Bible hates this, and the Bible hates that, and, and, and disrespect the Bible. And if we disrespect it, we won't believe it. The disciples disrespected these women, and so since they disrespected them, they're not going to believe them. That's how Satan always works, my friend. Well, we notice these women did not stop. They continued in, in, in spite of this. And we note here again in, in chapter 24 of, of this book of Luke, and he says in verse number 9, And they returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto eleven and to, unto all the rest. In other words, they kept telling everybody. They would never get past the disciples to all the rest if they had let the disciples... Now get, get this picture. This is important. 
They went to the 11 like they were told. And the 11 are supposed to go, yay! Instead, the 11 went, you're nuts! And you're lunatics! And we don't believe you! Go away! That would stop most people from going to the next step. They did not. They went to the disciples, and the disciples said, you're nuts, go away. And they did go away, and they went away to the other disciples. They didn't stop. Most times we get the one group who's supposed to accept us, if they disrespect us, we'll stop dead in our tracks. But not these ladies. This is a good bunch of women. Because they actually went to the next step of what the angels told them to do. The disciples, then the rest. Well, the first group didn't hear us. Well, we're told to go to the rest. Well, guess what? We have to go to the rest. Maybe that rest will believe us. And by the way, this group's going to get uh, woken up real quick. <laughs> They're going to get a wake-up call, as we all know the story. They're going to get woken up real quick. My friend, just because somebody doesn't like the message, we don't change the message. The message must not be changed. The message must always be the same. God does not ask you to be famous, but he asks us to be faithful. Noah's message was not esteemed, but he stuck with it. It's going to rain, and God's going to flood everybody. You're nuts! Idle tales, Noah! Well, they didn't think that when the earth began to flood. Stick with the message. Stick with the message. Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. That's the message. Well, the world don't like that message. We've got to soften it a bit. No, we don't soften it. It's the message. That's the message we give. We don't need to change it for anybody because they don't like it. This is not Baskin Robbins. You don't like chocolate. You go to vanilla or strawberry or, or, or whatever it is. No, this is it. This is the flavor. We don't like it. I'm sorry. That's the, that's the only one our Savior gave us. He's the only way to heaven. Nobody else. I'm sorry. The program. The message and the validity of the message is not determined by the favor of the people, but by facts. The women had facts to support their message. The message of the Word of God, my friend, is all facts. This Bible is facts. It's facts. You know, the, the Bible says that uh, in Noah's day that the fountains of the deep were broken up. That's a strange statement. And people say, well, you know, the world can't flood. Where did all that water come from? And where did all the water go? Well, the Bible says that the heavens let loose and the fountains of the deep were broken up. I encourage you to read this week's newsletter when it comes out next Saturday. Because there's an article in there I want you all to read. Do you know under the earth there is more water than there is on top of the water? There's more water below the crust of this earth than there is on top of it. And it's fresh water, by the way. So when God says the fountains of the deep were broken up, that water under the earth, God blew it out and flooded this place. And there's still water down there. I don't believe that. No, that's, that's, that's science. That's, that's real science, not the phony science, you know, the, the, the Fauci science. This is real science, you know where we actually have proof and things actually real, you know. Not science that a 
piece of plexiglass is going to stop an airborne virus. I still haven't. Yeah. By the way, if you're like me, most times you're like, here's the plexiglass. You're like, what? Oh, okay. And then you had to go back behind it again. Like Charlie Brown's. What? Okay. And he went back behind the plexiglass. And people still got these plexiglass up there. Like this is going to stop an airborne virus. What about the hole down here? And like the virus is going to. Am I the only one who looks at this and goes, heaven help us, we've lost our minds. You say, what's your point, preacher, there's water underground? Again, the Bible said there's water under the earth and nobody listened. And for thousands of years, nobody listened until about 20 years ago, science went, hey, wait a minute. There's water under the earth. It's amazing. And we're like, "Uh, hello? No, you guys are nuts. Oh, okay. We're still nuts. The message of the Word of God is all facts. We need to preach it. We need to teach it, whether it's accepted or not. And my friend, these dear ladies preached it. And to be honest, it wasn't accepted. It took a few moments to click into these boys' head for the preachers to believe the message that the women had, that God gave the women to tell the world. Let's stand together for prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for Christ. We thank you for the message he gave. Lord, we see, again, we all know the Peters. We all know the Johns and Thomases. But Lord, the Mary Magdalene's, the other Mary, the other women, Lord, they faithfully did what they were told to do. We sometimes lose sight that the first first soul winners, the first people to tell the gospel message were the women who were doing the job and getting it done. Mm -hmm. Lord, help us.